And I'm muted. Welcome to Crime Corner, where we examine all things crime, whether it be on the page, on the screen, on the street, or in the courtroom. I'm Matt Coyle, author of the Rick Cahill Crime Series, and I'll be your host for as long as it takes. My guest tonight, David Putnam, is the author of the best-selling Bruno Johnson thrillers. During his extensive law enforcement career, Dave worked primarily in California on teams – now, keep track of this, people – on teams for patrol, investigations, SWAT, narcotics, street-level and majors – Violent Crimes, Criminal Intelligence, Internal Affairs, and the Detective Bureau. But we're not done yet. He rounded out his law enforcement career with a few years in the Hawaiian Islands as a special agent, part of the real-life Hawaii Five-O team. He's now retired from law enforcement and spends his time – now, this is from his bio. I don't really believe all it. He's now retired from law enforcement and spends his time growing organic California avocados and writing with his wife, Mary, and their three dogs, which makes it sound like the dogs and Mary are involved in the writing process. Anyway – the Ruthless, the Ruthless, the eighth Bruno Johnson novel, comes out this Tuesday or next Tuesday, only a few days away. So welcome, David Putnam. Thank you very much for having me. You got it. All right, so the book is almost coming out. And um, tell if you could, tell our ris- listeners a little bit about it. Um, this is the fourth and final prequel I, I uh, <clears throat> wrote four books in current day. And then I went back and wrote um, four books in prequels to uh, uh, give a foundation for what happens in the current day. So it's a story arc of four books and this is the fourth and final book. And it brings us up to current day. Um, Bruno Johnson is um, trying to, in this book, there's a lot going on because he's wrapping up all the loose ends from uh, his past He's his um, he's missing a grandchild, and his a friend of his is murdered. A judge is is murdered, and he's working a uh, undercover sting um, for stolen property while he's doing it. Um, the publisher said that, that this is their um, favorite book in a series to date because of the twists that happen within the book. Wow. Hold on a second. We got uh, somebody's waiting online here. I'm not exactly sure. I don't take calls anymore, but just uh, send me a message. Um, so you got people dying to talk to you, Dave. Um, maybe I'll let them have <laughs> on the show. Okay. So um, where did it, so you didn't really mention Bruno is a he's a he's well he's now he's still a cop in this book. The right. undercover he's, a, he's so far undercover that even the other cops don't really know what he's doing, but. Right. Where did the idea for for Bruno um, come for the whole for the yeah. character? Where, where that began? Well, that was <laughs> I was trying to I was writing a lot of books. I was on my thirty eighth book when I when I finally sold Bruno, which was the thirty sixth book. And I had tried young adult, and I had tried fantasy and sci fi, and I did a lot of police procedurals and mysteries, and um, I just thought that uh, what book would I be interested in reading and that would be one with a lot of conflict and emotion so um, I made a guy that 
champions the rights of children who are um, uh, <clears throat> falling into the cracks in the, in the social welfare system. And then I added an added bonus of having Bruno being African American to deal with additional conflicts. Um, <clears throat> um, my wife is uh, yelling at me something. I, your your I wife, should... your wife is the one who called in. I can tell it's your phone number. What the hell does she want? <laughs> oh, is it? She's the one that called it. He's the one. Yeah, I can see it's. I see the number, and I realize it's her. Yeah, I'm not picking up. No, he's not. He's that's not her. It's not. She's not. She. No, she didn't call in. No. Well, somebody with a nine five one area code, and the last four numbers are very similar to yours. <laughs> anyway, that's interesting. Weird. Okay, that's weird. Yeah. So, um, so this is prequel four, and you explained why, basically, why you wrote the prequels. But why did you decide after four forward momentum books to write, start writing prequels, and why did you? Decide on four prequels, or did you? Well, did that just not happen. I, I, I didn't. The publisher thought it was a great idea to have a story arc with with the prequels, and they were pushing it as a, a trilogy. And then once I got into it, I, I told her I can't do it in in three. I got to do it in four. So right. the trilogy ended up being being four books. And what the way the way it came about was the Vanquish, the fourth in the current day series. I left Bruno just uh, uh, totally broken down physically and emotionally. And the publisher liked the book. A lot of people liked the book. And they and they said, uh, the publisher said, I don't know how you're going to bring Bruno back from this. And I thought about that and I thought, yeah, that might be true. So I decided to go back and uh, start the prequels. And I had a lot of fun writing the prequels because a lot of those a lot of those books um, were taken right from incidents that I was involved in, like uh, the ruthless. The murder of the judge, I wrote it just the way that murder happened, <laughs> and it was never wow. solved. So that it was never solved. Wow. Never, never solved. And was that was in L.A. or uh, San Bernardino? San Bernardino. <clears throat> Holy shit. Yeah. Yep. We will, so, uh, we will, yeah. we will get into that and give spoilers, but holy, holy crap. That must be like 25 years ago, too, I'm guessing, somewhere around there. Oh uh, Yeah, probably a little longer than that. It was a it was a professional hit. Somebody that, that didn't like the the judge's ruling uh, paid somebody because it was too well done. It was done with a shotgun in the morning, with garage door open, and the judge and the wife get it. Pumpkin balls, which I learned for the first time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That might be an old so, term. That's what they used to call them, but they only you know, call them uh, rifled slugs now. The old term was pumpkin ball. Could have written anything more specific than that. You could be making the whole thing up. Um, so this is um, this is probably the most important um, prequel, just from my reading and just from the way you know the story progresses. I mean, we don't really get to Bruno until we go through this. So you this said is the, this, I mean, is the la- this is the last book Bruno was an, as a cop. This right. is where well, he ends yeah. his career, and and, and so the um, the next book well, is the disposables, and and the outcome of what happened in this book is the backstory of that book. Right. Um, so <laughs> you sort of cheat for you know the rest of us. You've actually the rest of us mystery writers have to make shit up. 
because you've had a police career, you've actually done stuff where the rest of us just have to make it up. Um, right. And so, but however, we've been able to use our imagination all these years. So I'm wondering if you're running out of, if you're running out of uh, things that you can write about, but that's really not my point. That was just a jab. Um, <laughs> but not only you're writing about things that actually happened in your career, but you've had to use them to thread them into a one particular character's life and, and their effect it has on him. So when you decided I'm, I'm writing prequels now because my publisher want me to, and you're very, you're very nice to your publishers. They'll do anything. I don't do anything to ask me to do, but you're very nice to them. Um, <laughs> but so when you were starting, when you decided you're going to write this, um, the prequel, did you have everything kind of laid out or was this like, well, this is how this book's going to go. No, go no, what it, no, um, what it was is I decided to go back to, um, my first days in LA and I just followed my career, um, in LA County Sheriff's department. So the first, the first book, the innocence is the, is when I first made detective and I was working narcotics and those stories in, in the first prequel in innocence, a lot of those stories I wrote within that, the, the little vignettes within that book happened just the way I wrote them. And so then the next book was, uh, what was the next book there? The Reckless. Uh, the Reckless it was, was, it was uh, something. I know that. Reckless was my time chasing bank robbers uh, on a bank robbery team. And it was also the book that was the most emotional for me because a good friend of mine was killed in the line of duty. And that, mm-hmm. I, and that was what that book was about. And The Heartless was about um, the, the, the organized escape from San Bernardino County Sheriff's Jail and how I was involved in uh, chasing those guys down. Which when you read the way they, I'm sorry, when you read the way they escaped, I thought, well, shit, Dave knows his stuff, but this is completely made up. And then when you told me it wasn't, I couldn't believe, of course, they changed it. Yeah. They changed some things after that about people can walk into the jail, people can walk into the jail with. Um, no, but the interesting thing was, I don't want to lose my train of thought, which happens a lot as I've passed. 62 years ago, 62 years in age, <laughs> months ago, is that, yes, you've taught, this is what, this is what happened to me when I, you know, the guys escaped prison or jail and I brought them down. And this is what happened when I was chasing bank robbers. But like I said earlier, you've had to thread all of that through this one character, Bruno. And it's not just, well, here's a, here's a book about Bruno dealing with, uh, dealing with um, bank robbers. No, it's also another step for Bruno's path towards where he gets, where he begins with the disposables, your first, your first book and your first real time book. Um, right. So that was, that's really well done. And especially the way you've described it now. Um, so is that, was that, are, do you, do you have difficulty when you go, Hey, it's pretty cool. You know, I think I'm, I'm going to talk, I'm going to have the bank robbers in this book, but then knowing you're still having to have this, have some forward momentum into how Bruno changes and how his, you know, his life changes. Is that, is that easy for you to make those connections or is it, eh, I got to do a little work here. It's, 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 it's pretty easy for me to, the, 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 the 10 books that I've written have been pretty easy. They're going to start getting more difficult now. I think um, the Hope next so. book in, in, <laughs> and I discussed it with a publisher, I'm going to 
write a book. The next book is going to be when Bruno Johnson is uh, 18 months old. What? He's going to be. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be 18 months old. It's going to be uh, Xander because everybody likes Xander so much. So Bruno's dad. It's going to be a book about Xander. Yep. And um, so told I'm in going Xander's to, point of view. It, yes, it is, and I've I have decided if it's going to be first person or third person, but I've, I'm pretty much leaning toward first person. And I've got the plot already lined up in my mind, and um, I, I've got that one. I've got the next one after that too. I'm going to take Bruno back to Costa Rica and do a book in Costa Rica, I think, for book um, book twelve. Right. So when you're talking about the next book, you're really not talking about the next book that's going to come out. You're talking about the next book you're going to write, which is two books ahead. So anyway, um, yeah. Sinister Sinister is picks up after Vanquished. It picks up six months or no two months after. Yeah. Yeah. Sinister. It comes it comes out a year from February. Picks up um, right after Vanquished. Two months after what happened in Vanquished. All right. Well, we can talk about that at the end. Um, okay. Sorry. That's okay. So why did you? We just talked about first person, third person. Why did you decide way back when? When I, when, I mean, you wrote this book. Actually, you wrote. I'm, I'm sorry, you wrote the disposables. The idea for it, at least a long time ago. Why did you decide to have Bruno in first person? Because the nuance of third person is, is difficult to get 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 exactly the way I like it. You know, there, there's a lot of people I, I discuss this with. They don't they don't agree with me, but there's three different levels of third person, and I like the down and dirty, close third person, and it's right. difficult to write in. Um, so, first person has its its pros and it has its cons, and you can very easily write yourself into a corner with first person. But um, at the conferences, I've also talked to some other authors, and they said that you can't have a true thriller um, with first person because um, you can't have, you know, Bruno goes up to a door and, and the reader can't say, look out, Bruno, there's somebody behind that door because you are with Bruno and Bruno doesn't know that there's somebody behind that door. When in third right. person, you could skip around and set it, set up more, more conflict that way. But um, I, I think the first person is, is more, is, is closer and, and more personal. I don't think our publisher cares about, third-person thrillers, thrillers because they call all our books thrillers. And we both write in first person. But I, yeah, I, I but, just, you know, I, uh, they, they, I try to write a mystery structure on the Reckless, and I sent it in with a mystery structure, and they spotted it, and they said, no, we want a thriller structure. And so they cut, they wanted the first 100 right. pages of the mystery structure cut. So right. they want they want that thriller structure. Well, apparently he has some difficulty in writing one of the books. Um, You know, as fascinating as this conversation has been, um, the real uh, interest to me is a person who's been waiting online for on hold for 13 minutes, and I feel I must I feel I must pick up and see what they're see what they want to know. So okay, uh, do it, do it. Okay, this I'm answering the. Well, here we go. Let's see what happens. Hello, area code nine five one. You're the only guest I've had in a couple years. That wasn't one of my original guests. Who is it? We're not going to talk now. It's Mary, isn't it? Hello? No, it's not hey, Mary. Are you, can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Do you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Who is this? This is uh, Dave's biggest fan. I don't have any questions. I'm just here to support him and listen to his background. This is 
Rick and Trish Berg. <laughs> it's Rick Berg. It's on the phone. <laughs> he has a nine five one area code, but he's calling from Oregon, Washington. Uh, how about Washington? Washington, yes. <laughs> well, yeah. Shall thanks, you, Rick. You have any questions? You know, I've already oh, asked Dave all my questions, and uh, he's done a great <laughs> job of of answering them and giving me some insight. And every time I get on one of these with Dave, I learn more and more. <laughs> well, well, thanks for calling okay, in. Wait. I'm looking forward to an 18-month-old Bruno. (laughs) Aren't we all? Yeah. Can't wait for the diaper changes. Um, Right. Well, hey, thanks for thanks for listening. And you can you can listen um, through the link, just so you know next time. Um, I couldn't figure it out. We couldn't figure it out. All right. Well, here's the other issue: is that I don't think I can mute you without hanging up on you. So you're just gonna have to listen in silence. Okay. Unless, okay, unless, we'll you have, unless you have a better question than I do, uh, which will probably be a lot. Um, all right. Well, thanks for listening. And thanks for listening all the way from Oregon, even though um, you're only here for Dave. So it really doesn't affect me at all. Okay. Um, so, Dave. Yes. Now, Bruno's father is, is very prevalent in this book. He's in all the books. But in this one, I think he has a bigger uh, part than the others. What uh, role does he play in Bruno's life and maybe for you as a um, literary device? Well, um, I I put Xander in there because uh, Bruno uh, doesn't necessarily follow the law. He goes outside the law into the gray area and sometimes even breaks the law to champion the rights of children. So his moral compass sometimes gets skewed. And he, he is – Xander is there for Bruno to lean on, to bring him back in to the fold, into um, the, the law law part of the uh, world instead of the lawless part of the world. That's what his purpose is. How many times has he has his name – I didn't even know his name was Xander. How many times has the name Xander been in any of the books? Maybe once in one book? Well, it, it refers to him as dad a lot, but he's yeah. – he's, uh, He's Xander he quite a bit. <laughs> does he? Does he? Uh, I don't, I don't, does he call him Xander in this book? I don't think he does. Not from what I read. Anyway, oh, I don't even know when he says Xander. Okay. Anyway, I think it's interesting. Cool. Yeah, he's a great character, and obviously he has a much, even though he's more, he's sort of um, more prevalent in this book as the books progress in the life that he and Bruno has share. He has a very important part, which we won't get into. People have to read the um, disposables and all the right. forward books. On their own. I mean, he's, he plays a huge part. Um, he's a great character. Um, as a matter of fact, hold on, let me see my point. He's got a couple of, um, he's got an interesting witticism here. Let me see if I can find it. Um, I got a dog eared thing here. He's talking about, um, uh, let's see. Oh, he's talking about grief. Okay. Vengeance is a lazy form of grief. I thought that was really good. That's Xander talking to Bruno. And I thought that was interesting, and I thought for 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 uh, characters in Bruno's situation, that it really had meaning. Huh, thanks. I mean, he is the he yeah. is the he is the, um, the smoothing influence on Bruno, whereas Bruno and like you know my guy Rick, they just want let's go. I want to I want to get my vengeance, but it's like you know that's <laughs> that's, easy, that's easy way out. You got to work through your emotions. I thought that was really cool. There's some other there's some other good turns of phrases in there I really liked. Um, so now. You know, I read all the books, but um, I can't remember everything. It seems to me this is one of the few times we kind of flesh out Bruno's mother. She's not a, 
Right. She doesn't play right. a huge right. part of the book, but it's, and I wonder, so why did you choose it? I mean, I really enjoyed the part of when he's thinking about his mother, what, why this book for that, um, to talk about her? Because, um, in each book I try to layer in uh, part of the story arc for the next couple of books. It's like scene, it's like scene sequencing, uh, within the novel. I, I, um, novel sequence. So the mother has uh, a more and more uh, important roles in the later books. The next two books, the mother is very prominent in, in the next two books. In, in, in the forward books in or the, the books that you just turned in? In the, in the books that I just, uh, tur- well, Sinister is already in, turned in. And, and, yeah, not, the one not, I just oh, finished. Well, when, I, when I just finished, she's a main character in it. It's, it's the scorn. Okay. And that but won't come out like, until a year well, from. Okay. What? Well, because in so the I, real, I, I wanted yeah I wanted to layer layer in because I didn't want all of a sudden to pull her up and say oh he's got a mom so I wanted to put right. her in and and, and so the, the readers become acquainted with her and her background because right. she, I made her kind of a unique uh, mother as well you know she's well, a, she's a crook a criminal yeah chronologically yeah. she really the next chronologically in Bruno's life, the next book is disposables, but, it, but you're talking about the next book that comes out. Yes. By the yeah. way, um, and the mo- no, go ahead. I had something. And, and, the, and, and the mother, the, the mother, Bruno's mother, I, I kind of fashioned after my aunt, uh, my aunt Carol, um, she and my uh, cousin, my, my cousin, Danny hired a hitman out of Orange County and they had my uncle murdered with a life insurance. Yeah. So uh, I, I kind of took her. In, I keep her in my mind when I'm writing Bruno's mother. Um, I don't. I don't think I want to talk about inspiration. I was going to say you were cheating again, but that's kind of a tough. That's a tough situation. Um, so way back when, let's see. Let's say maybe when you were polishing the Bruno book to, because um, I'm not sure exactly how it went down when Ocean View. You said Bruno. Um, uh, the Disposables was your 37th book, I think. So w- when you decided that you were writing a series when Ocean View bought the book, um, did you have an idea for a story arc, character arc for Bruno? Or is it like, or is it like you know, the way I do it and a lot of others where I'm this book and then the next book and then, you know, figure it out as I go? No, um, I was on my 38th book. Bruno, The Disposables was actually a book called I, entitled um, – the other side of forever. And that's what the title I sent it in with. And I, I moved on. I started, I continued writing. I always kept moving forward and it yeah. was, it was going to be a, a standalone book until ocean view picked it up. And then once they picked it up, I stopped writing book number 38 and went back and when book 39 was going to be the sequel, which was replacements. Cause I knew that publishers like, like um, series. So right. I, I didn't make it a series until after they picked the first book up. And then I started right. writing the next one. So, but in the process right. of writing that book, were you sketching out some sort of long character arc for Bruno, or were you going book by book? Book by book. Yeah, yeah. it was just it was just a, and I and I think I sold the disposals because I changed my structure. I, I changed it. I shortened my conflict. I think that's what sold the book. All I, right, for years five, I give, was thinking. What? Give the, give the five C's again, so people can be t- all the all the writers out there are taking notes. So the science, scientific way you put books together is it five, six C's, four C's? How many C's is it? Four C's. The four C's. Okay, and they are complication. 
Conflict, complication, crisis, conclusion. And I thought we came up with another little panel we were on together. Yeah, well, that's what you thought. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I write by the numbers. And uh, as you said, I have four C's. I have the five things the scene needs. I have the three components of voice. I watch all of it by numbers. And if something's not working, I go back and break it down by the numbers and see what's what component I just messed up. And yet, with that very um, structured way of writing scenes, you don't really outline, do you? Um, the last three books, I have done more outlining than I've ever done before, but more it's more of a braiding of the sequencing of the scenes. So I'll decide on, I don't decide on what's going to happen in a book. I just decide on two plot lines and a theme and sometimes three plot lines in a theme. And then once I start, I sequence those scenes and I braid them all together. So they just twirl around each other as the, the story goes forward. And I, I found that that makes it, um, I think I think it adds more pressure on the prose and pulls the reader through this, the text better. Sequencing and braiding, it sounds like a cross between um, a hairdresser and a, and a <laughs> DNA specialist. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Okay. Well, it all works. So, well, I was going to talk about your process, but you just gave it to us. So, back when I'm writing a series, I signed it the deal with Ocean View. They want a series. Is Bruno now in book eight? You've written and and you've written two more, but they're not out yet. Is he in a much different place than you could have ever imagined when you started writing him? Right now. I, ne- I never thought I'd make it to book 10. That's for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, I'm on I'm 10. Uh, I just finished 10. Um, yeah, it was kind of shocking when I, because in the next book or the one after, I'm going to be at a million words. We have a million words in print. And, you know, Bruno has taken a lot of um, beating through, you know, and, and I always thought that, how, like when you watch a TV series, uh, we were just, we at least started watching the practice all the conflict they throw at those people, you know, the murder and the rape and all that stuff. Why would anybody want to go to those people because they have such bad luck? So right. in order to keep it to keep it fresh, I try to I, I try that I think that prequel thing helped a lot. And now um I'm going back to current day. Well you're 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 already back to current day nine and ten and then you're you're gonna write eleven. So um I know you've kind of messed around a little bit with standalones and even writing with someone else. But is there a kind of a standalone you're pretty set on in the near future? I write two books a year. I, I call it one, one a contract book and one a hobby book. And I'm shopping my last year's hobby book right now. It's called um, The Fearsome Moonlight Black. And uh, I, I think that has great potential and it is definitely a series book. And I have notes on the next two books after that one, if I do um, happen to sell it. Um, but I, I took notes on a – I'm thinking seriously my hobby book after the contract book this year is going to be a a um, sci-fi horror because I have an idea for something like that. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. It's fun to write that kind of stuff. Well, um, yeah, and I guess you can't rely on your past experiences too. That must be a whole new world for you. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Welcome to the world the rest of us live in. Um, <laughs> so 
Yep. You and I, you and I were talking before we went on um, on live about how crazy trying to promote a book is during COVID and everything. Um, what is your tour going to be? <laughs> uh, well, I'm high, I'm high risk because of my asthma and my allergies. So my doctor said, do not catch COVID at all because I'm going to have a serious problem. So we mm. have been seriously seriously quarantined. And until I get the the vaccine, I don't think we're going to be going anywhere. And but I you couldn't go anywhere vaccine. anyway. What, what do you mean? You couldn't, well, you couldn't go anywhere anyway. Where you can, I don't think you could do your Barnes & Noble thing you do every year. I don't think they, they'd allow you to oh, sit no, in there. That's yeah, that's hours. true. That's true. That, it hasn't yeah. hasn't opened up yet. Yeah, yeah. So well, actually... 2019, 2019, we had 60 events. We did 26 Barnes and Noble signings, and then the other ones were talks, writing talks, and book talks. And then 2020, we just did some zooming. Um, so I, right. I have a feeling that this year, um, 2021 is going to be the same thing. We have six events lined up for zooming so far, and. Um, uh, I don't see anything more than that. Uh, I've been trying to be real active on Goodreads, and that seems to be uh, working pretty well for me. I'm having well, fun anyway. This was potentially going to be a Zoom event, but then your wife told me that she didn't think that you were handsome enough to be live <laughs> on video. So. Yes, she did tell me about that. You see, what happened was the, the, the when the COVID hit, you know, I can't go get my hair cut, and my hair has got the longest it's ever been, so we, she goes, I'll cut it for you. And we go outside on the patio with the dogs, and she shaves my head, but it's all <laughs> rough. And it looked like I was escaped from a prison or something, you know, an escapee or something. So now I've just let my hair grow, and I've got a beard, and I've got my hair down to my shoulders, and she keeps going, let me cut it, let me cut it. Now you're not touching my hair again. So I'm not going to get a haircut until it, it opens up and uh... – <laughs> Well, now I am really upset that I did not do this on Zoom yeah. because uh, I would have loved to see the uh, six foot six, two hundred and seventy pound gray Jesus. Um, isn't it nice? How I look a lot do? like um, I look a lot like Sean Connery now. Oh, I'm sure you do. You know, he's been dead for a while. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. That's why I look at him just like, like he is right now. Yeah, there's nothing like the gray beard, the full gray beard, to really let you know how old you are, because I'm in between right now. I tend to shave only when I have to do a Zoom thing. Um, luckily, I was able to get my haircut though. So, um, well, so next, what is next? It's going to be book nine in the Bruno series. It's going to be the forward book, and it's going to be called. And it's called what? And it'll come out when? It's it's called the Sinister. And it comes out a year from February. Um, it'll be book nine. And I just finished The Scorned, which um, hopefully that'll come out a year, two years from February. And then I have the next uh, Bruno when he's 18 months old. He's going to have a Derringer <laughs> hidden in his diaper. <laughs> Wasn't everybody? That's what I called it when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Now I call it now I call it a snub nose. Um, I thought it was kind of stupid to write a blind private eye, but an eighteen-year-old uh, Bruno—that's even more stupid. So good luck with that. Eighteen-month-old, yeah, yeah, eighteen-month-old Bruno. Before we go, it's just gonna be bad. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Finish your thought. 
Okay. No, no, no that's fine. Uh, so I, I bitch and moan every time I have to come up with a two-word title for um, my books because that's when the publisher likes it. And it's a good challenge. But really, you're coming up with a one-word title because you're using the – and then you have to, and you know, they're all good. The ruthless, the heartless, uh, the doubtless, the dumbless. So <laughs> how, how difficult is that for you to come up with? And when do you get the title? When does the title come to you? I have to, for me to write, I have to have a title on my, on my uh, word, word uh, program. Really? So I think of a tie, I think of a, the word that I want to use. And then I, I weave it into my theme. So I actually use the word like the scorned. I use that a couple of times to reinforce the the um, the theme of the book within the book. And then like disposables, the disposable skids, you know, disposable kids, and you know, that kind of thing. I try to I try to weave it in once I get the title. I've noticed that you also uh, weave in the too. So that's a good move. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, an article yeah. is very good to have. That's in there a bit. Yeah. All right. Well, so how can people, because, well, so you said you're doing uh, five or six events. What's your next couple? Let people know how they can find you and look at your gray beard and long hair. Uh, you can go to my website and my webmaster will have it up on, on the website. Um, well, just give me but give you one. Can, one? What's Mary? the one there? Mary? Oh, it's a podcast. Next one's a podcast. Right. That's oh, I'm that's going to be. Oh, it's a podcast. It's not, yeah. it's not a Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a law enforcement podcast with Fran. I think you know Fran, don't you? Maybe. Fran Lewis, I think her name is. Right. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Oh, seven in the morning. Yeah. yeah. I, know, I know that one. Yeah. <laughs> seven in the morning. Yeah. She likes to do it at 10 o'clock East Coast time, 7 a.m. Um, okay, but what yeah. about Zoom? Is your Zoom where people can punch the button and buy your book, The Ruthless? Um, I'm, trying, I'm trying to help you out, but you're not I'm really doing. I, well, I, it's I, I'm not really up on Zooming. I'm not. Uh, there's one in March. What is it, dear? Mysterious Galaxy. I'm doing one in Mysterious Galaxy oh. with a a young adult um, writer whose debut book is coming out, and it's about gangs. So we're, we're going to combine. Um, so you you can catch us on that one, and email me on uh, at David Putnam David at davidputnambooks dot com. If you have any questions about writing or about Bruno or about or about anything, I'd love to email people. So email me. All right. So how else can they find you on the World Wide Web? You don't really do much on social media that I've seen. Your wife does all your work for you, but how can they find you on social media? Well, what are you talking about? I'm all over Goodreads. That's social media. Okay. Right and how they find it? I don't know how they find it. How they find you on Goodreads? Goodreads is I'm on Goodreads. David uh, Putnam. Um, I'm, what's my Facebook handle, dear? She she does all the you know how David Putnam books on uh, Facebook. <laughs> Hello. I don't think that's it. Anyway, Mary says it is. That's what it is. All right. Yeah, okay. All right. Well. So the official pub date is Tuesday, the 2nd of February. The book uh-huh. will be available in all major bookstores. And um, But make sure you update your – get on social media and let people know when your first Zoom thing is going to be. Because I do want – if it's March, then your hair is really going to be long, and you'll have a really – Yeah, it's beard. really going to be long. 
Yeah, I'll have a ponytail, and I'll be oh. like. Um, you have a man bun, Sean. No, not well, not on my head. <laughs> Derringer, right? Um, that's right. That's right. All right. Well, I think we've done just about all we can do with this. Um, well, it, what's your friend's <laughs> What's your friend's name in Oregon? Rick Berg. Hey, Rick. Thanks Rick a lot for uh, listening in and always support, enjoy it. supporting Dave. <laughs> um, God knows he needs all the support he can get. That's true. But the, the ruthless, <laughs> fresh off the boat. Really cool cover too. Really cool cover. Um, great book. Another Bruno book. People should go out and buy it. I think it's my favorite cover of all your books, actually. Yeah, I liked it too. It's one of my favorites as well. I'm really pleased yeah. with Ocean View on that one. Yeah, well, I'll let them know. Okay. Well, good. Thanks. All right. Well, um, <laughs> thanks for listening. You can go. You can go now. I'm going to hang up on both you and Rick. But thanks for okay. thanks, Dave. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you're doing well. Sorry that you have to be all um, quarantined, um, but I guess everybody is now. So, yeah. hopefully, you can get thanks out there. Thanks a lot there. for hopefully having me. You got it, buddy. Okay. All All right. right. I'm going to hang up on you people. Bye. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, I'm not sure when I'm going to be back. I've got um, got a lot of stuff I got to do. That takes uh, too much of my concentration. So I I plan to have a a show in February. Um, If possible, it might be March. Um, But in the meantime, you can go to my website if you want me to talk to your book club. I'd love to do that. You can find my email address on my website, com, Or you can go check out Novel Network, who is a great – they have a great um, great access for book clubs, and they can help help us all get set up. This is a copyrighted trademark podcast owned solely by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thanks for listening in. Here's some outro music. <laughs> 